Hi everyone and welcome to the Tech Recruitment Podcast. This is the episode number, the next one, so let's kick it off. Eli, uh, you've been in the uh, digital marketing for the last uh, 15 years. Um, you wrote the book called Marketing Matters. Uh, so uh, you know a lot about marketing, right? And uh, a, lot a lot of people in our community, in our community. they struggle with um, how to get the first client, how to position themselves. So um, we could give them a few ideas and tips on how to actually tackle this greatest challenge. Because in recruiting, you know, you can be a great recruiter, but if you don't have any clients, what is it good for, right? So um, what what would be your, your suggestion? What should people who are great in recruiting but don't have any client, what should they do first? One of the things that uh, I'll probably start with is to ask themselves what makes them great at recruiting and to apply that to them recruiting a client. Because chances are, is very often the customer service, the attention to detail, the in-depth research. And if you could apply this in your own doing, I think that that's going to help you get the first customer. Of course, one of the things to definitely keep an eye on is your network, because very often we forget who is in our network, especially on LinkedIn. We have hundreds of connections and there's someone that we clicked with probably five years ago, but because we have moved companies, so we're no longer in touch and perhaps they have moved companies since and therefore there might be an opportunity. So definitely look at uh, who is in your current network because at least you already have the relationship there and then that's the, the closer go to market. Hmm. Now, if you wanted to have a look further, which you should do at some point anyway, is uh, it's good to have uh, an outreach campaign to, to contact people that perhaps are looking for your services, but they don't, they don't know about you just yet. And one of the ways to do it is um, to go to one of the uh, data aggregator companies which could be different ones for the different um, industries. Now, there's one that is Zoom Info, which is very expensive. So I think that to start with, maybe not that one. But um, Apollo.io is a very good one, very cost-effective. And you could get the audience right, which, yeah, that, that's something to... Uh, to mention as well. Make sure that when you reach out to people, you have the audience right. So who would be the decision maker? Find the list of those people and create a campaign around that. Mm-hmm. It's it's great that you mentioned this and uh, we also use Apollo in, in our company. One of the one of the challenges um, we also face and I'm sure lots of uh, other recruiters will as well is like how to differentiate the services, right? Because on the surface, it's just recruiting, you know, especially in IT. I mean, the IT professionals are pretty much the same, right? Whether you are in Poland, especially in this remote work. So um, plenty of uh, um, the same messages um, land in the CTO's inboxes. So the IT director's inboxes. So how to stand out, how to even um, position the company can we even say company some some of the recruiters just start a new business and they are freelancers so they just use their own name so how they should stand out in the crowd uh, that's a very good question and um, i think that you're right that when it comes to 
to how to stand out, everyone has different approach on it. What I'll probably suggest is define your niche. I mean, I understand that it's uh, IT recruitment, but what is it? Is it CRM? Is it um, project management? Is it .NET? Is it, it, what, what is going to be your niche? Because the more you focused, the more you'll be able to be relevant in the space. And uh, if you were to, to be able to say that you are, an, like, for example, me, I'm an expert in HubSpot. And I'm a HubSpot certified trainer. I have a company that is a HubSpot partner agency, gold partner. I am a HubSpot community champion. I am HubSpot magic maker. So if you were to look for my name, chances are one of the references to it will be from HubSpot, which means that if I want to come and sell to you HubSpot, you know that is true because I'm everywhere. And um, there are those different validations. I have a number of certifications. So I think that if people could find their niche and if they could prove that they have made a difference in that niche, that's going to help them stand out. Mm-hmm. Now, Another option would be to look for collaborations. Mm -hmm. So, for example, because sometimes, especially solopreneurs, they think that the value that they could add to a company, it's only limited to what they can add. And in fact, it could be based on the network they have. For example, if you and I partner up, suddenly what you provide to your customers is expanded with my expertise as well. And and obviously, there could be um, non-disclosure agreements, non-competitive clauses, so the the different uh, structures that you can put in place to make sure that no one else in your space will have access to me. They might have access to someone else, but they will not have access to me. And as I said, I have the credentials to help your clients. So the more your clients grow, the more vacancies they'll have to fill in, and therefore, the more they'll come back to you. So suddenly. You help the company not only by hiring the talent, but how to grow so that there's more talent to hire. Does that make sense? Mm. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, these uh, partnerships and collaborations, that's, that's a big thing. And people may also wonder what could be an example of such uh, such collaboration. So if we imagine, uh, say, the client would be a technology startup, some high-tech, high-tech startup, or it could be um, a fintech company. So inside the company, there are IT managers, CTOs, who are the clients, right? So, um, and then on the other side is the tech recruiter who is looking for a new client. So um, I'm just thinking out aloud, what could be an example of such such a partnership? Like who would you suggest to partner with um, so that the client would benefit from it? Because I mean, for the recruiter, it probably doesn't make sense to pair with your marketing services as an example, right? Because the client, Mm -hmm. the IT manager, he or she doesn't need the marketing services. They may need, I don't know, um, maybe some more guidance about uh, how to run a tech team, probably. So maybe a coach from that space. Is is that what you mean? Like, how how would you suggest even to think about these partnerships? Uh, that, that, that's a great point. Yeah, coaching is also something that uh, is beneficial, obviously, across all businesses and in all departments. So uh, in in this example, coaching is definitely one of the things that I would recommend. So if the 
tech recruiter could team up with a coach, then um, and, and it doesn't have to be a free giveaway of time, you know. It's just a case of making sure that um, there is preferential rates or added bonus or whatever it might be, depending on the costs involved. Now, the other thing, especially when it comes to tech, is software. So maybe go to Apollo.io and, mm-hmm. uh, and say to them, listen, I'm starting up. Could you give me a discount code for, for 10% or for X percent or Notion, Asana? So look at what kind of software would your C, uh, CIO, CTO and uh, project managers be using and see whether you could get them a discount for that mm. or whether you could get them someone, let's say if you use a Notion, could you find a way to get in touch with someone from Notion, one of the product managers, for example, to give a specific talk to, to, your, uh, to your client? And then this way, again, the, the value that you're going to add, no one else will be able to match it because it's something unique. It's not a standard thing and it's not a service that you offer, but you're giving them to access that, that, that otherwise they wouldn't have had it. Mm. So that's, that's an important that's a, thing. That's a great one. So uh, you mean to organize some events, for example, online presentations or yeah. webinars, invite some guests, and this way provide some additional value. That's yeah. That's- yeah, that's a very interesting one. Okay, cool, cool. Um, okay, so so coming back to how to get the first client, uh, the first step is probably to differentiate a bit, right? As as you um, as you mentioned, come up with some partnerships, use a tool like Apollo, and then what? Like people may also get a bit discouraged when they start reaching out. As they do the uh, called outreach, as you just mentioned, they send fifty emails, seventy emails, ninety five emails, and they are already like, oh my god, I sent so many emails people are not responding and those two people who responded wanted to unsubscribe immediately so what are some reasonable numbers that people should expect and uh, not get too discouraged uh, about uh, i think that the number is all about context because first it all depends on the current market because if there are only 200 people looking for the service in general well, you cannot expect all of them to be looking at um, for it at this particular point, which means that the, the target audience would determine what the numbers would be. I think that when it comes to the discouraging side of things, as long as you keep track of the data and you keep refining things, you'll be able to see how you're progressing because you're quite right. You can't see the results straight away at times. But it's important to see some result, and I think that and this is something that I mentioned in in my book, funnily enough, that very often when we have a goal, people tend to measure am I there yet, as opposed to how far I've come along, right? Mm-hmm. And and this is where they get discouraged because let's say you you have to come from here to here, and you're not here yet, you're here, and you're thinking, oh, I still have all that all that space. But actually, that should not undermine the fact that you have gone already this way because the goalposts could move, but that's not to disregard everything that you have done so far. So I think that a little shift in the mindset there would be useful. And of course, having perhaps a CRM or a system that's going to help you track the open rates, the click-through rates, 
and different engagement metrics is going to help you stay a little bit more positive and on track. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, if it's just the feeling, oh, I sent many emails and I didn't hear much back from people. First, what is many? Mm. And if you were to send many next month, would it be just as many or would it be 20 less? So <laughs> having the data is key component to success in, in everything and anything, basically. Mm. And I think that having this um, having this setup in a CRM or a system like HubSpot uh, to allow you to to have the data consistently track it and measure it because then for the people for example that haven't opened the email you can send them exactly the same email just with different subject line and then this is how you test which subject line resonates better whether when you focus on the value that you're going to add whether you focus on the problem that they might have and from there you keep refining but if you don't have the data there's nothing for you to do yeah yeah that's that's so true so true and uh sometimes when we have the data and you know it's also difficult to assess whether this is too much or too many people respond or you know whether the percentage is you know reasonable or not so um would you be able to share some benchmarks for people who i mean just ballpark numbers like how many emails should they even send if they are looking for a new client like should they send a hundred emails or should they send like 1000 emails or should they send 10,000 emails? Like what are the average conversions? Again, it's very subjective. Um, I would probably say around 30% open rate is healthy, which then means that it all depends on how many you send out. And uh, then depending on what you have set in the email, first, whether you have a call to action or not, because you'd be surprised at the number of emails, cold emails that are sent, that someone says, I can do that for you, kind regards. And there's no call me to arrange um, mm-hmm. to arrange a catch-up or and let me know if you're interested. There's not, there's not even a question, which means that in a way you've wasted your opportunity to capture the person's de- um, attention. Or perhaps even add value straight away. You could say, okay, I'm I'm a tech recruiter with 20 years of experience. And um, I know that I could help your company. Those are two things already that I can give you value for to want to find out more. So all of those things, depending on what has been said in the email, that would dramatically change the and the engagement rates and the and therefore the benchmarks. Hmm. Now, in terms of the numbers. I would probably say start with 100 because that's meaningful enough for you to see some patterns. As I said, be it out of the 100, only 10 open it, which is 10% open rate. And therefore, for either the next 100 or even for the remaining 90 that did open it, change the subject line. Mm-hmm. And then if that if it from the 90, now you have even still 10 open in it as a percentage, that's already 12% as opposed to 10%, which means they resonates better. So for the next 100 new people, you use the second subject line that work better because you have proven for yourself, for the audience that you have, that this resonates better. And therefore, mm-hmm. even for yourself, you, you could start with 10% open rate and over the course of three months, you can get it to 35 40%. So that's mm-hmm. what I mean, that if, even the benchmark, it could be 
a little bit um, diluted, depending on what activities are happening. Mm. Equally, if you were to have the email campaign supported by some LinkedIn activity, maybe LinkedIn automation to view the profiles of those people, which means that when they receive an email from you, they have already had a notification that you had looked at their profile. Mm-hmm. Now that could resonate better. Um, so there's so many things that to be taken into consideration. And uh, I think that that's one of the good things that there's no one size fits all because it, ru- it leaves room for creativity on how to deliver it. Yeah. Well, now when you are elaborating on all of these steps, I'm just kind of thinking that this is a full-time job, right? For someone like you, for marketers. And yet there are recruiters who want to start freelancing. They they want to start, you know, working for clients, not just one client, for several clients. Yeah. And they probably underestimate how much work it will be just to get the first and the second client on board based on what you just mentioned. And this is just the starting point anyway. Um, okay. And um, um, you know, uh, coming back to the content of the message, actually, um, you uh, were speaking about the subject. What about the content? I mean, we can see there's a, as a spectrum of, um, on one side of the spectrum would be very personalized message, which someone could spend five minutes to craft, visit the profile, personalize the CVs, for example, of candidates already based on what is posted on the um, uh, careers page. On the other side is a very generic message. As you mentioned, hey, I'm a tech recruiter. I think I can add some value. Would you like to speak? So um, based on your experience, what would you suggest? How should people decide based on what they should decide which way to go and um, how to how to start sending these messages? I would say um, segmentation of the database first, because out of those 100 people, let's say from the previous example, I would like to think that all of them have something in common, be it all of them are in the same city, in the same subsector of tech, in the same um, recruiting for the same job, so that you can then send an email that is personalized, but at scale. Again, with because if you have a CRM, this is what they're designed to do. For you to have a way to say hi and then to get the first name dynamically for all those people in bulk. Mm. And to have and because you have you know that those are segmented people that, for example, recruit for uh .NET developers, and therefore within the message you'll be talking about .NET. So suddenly it's personalized enough, so it's not generic. It's still at scale, and you're more likely to get better results as opposed to, like you say, uh, trying to craft a message every for, for every person, and it's going to be a lot of work. Yeah. So segmentation and well, and the targeting is important there. Mm-hmm. And this can be achieved with HubSpot or Apollo. Absolutely, HubSpot, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, in in all fairness, uh, HubSpot is becoming easier for solopreneurs as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, it has tremendous capabilities for the enterprise accounts uh, where you need specialists like me who really know the technical side of things. But when it comes to people just starting up, HubSpot has 
very good offers in terms of pricing and functionality, even on starter packages. So uh, they have Chatspot, which is their AI assistant for, well, they are their AI bot, basically, that they created and I think that they released last year at some point. Now, with that, what you could do is that you could create the emails. So you say to Chatspot, I want to create an outreach email for recruitment for, for companies that are looking for .NET developers. I am a recruiter myself. I have this experience, which means that it creates the message for you and you can have nurturing sequences. So it's not only one message, but you can have a list of messages that will be sent automatically to the same group of people over the course of four weeks, one message a week perhaps, because it is proven that when it comes to cold outreach, rarely is the first email the successful one. Mm. People need to see a little bit about you, perhaps to give them a chance to go away, to research you, and uh, for you to remind them of yourself again through the email to give them some value. Because I said, someone who's going to get my attention is the one who would come to me and say, listen, I saw a broken image on your website, for example. Mm-hmm. And as I have your attention, do you want to see what else you can improve on the website? So there I know that they have visited the website. But this is where we talk about the a lot more personalized approach. So. Very often recruitment, people are after talent insights, people are after stats, Mm -hmm. after benchmarking. So if you, as a recruiter, are able to go to a client or potential clients and say, I have a report that is for the, the uh, the tech talent in the area, would you be interested to see it? So at this point, you're not selling anything. Mm-hmm. You're just selling the idea of the report. And of course, if they're interested, this is how you start the conversation. And now you're the person who gave them the data. Therefore, now you establish yourself as a as the expert, as a person who has the knowledge and who could help them implement things. Hmm. This is so cool. This is so cool. It immediately gives value to the reader of the email, right? Yeah. And now I have flashbacks of all the cold emails that I receive as well. And it's like, hey, we are a company based in Asia and we have gazillions of people. Do you want any of them? Which, I mean, it's also straightforward, doesn't provide any value. And there are gazillions of these emails uh, coming, you know, and lending to, to everyone's inboxes. But you know, by repositioning it, you give some value. It's not that difficult to prepare a report these days anyway, thanks to AI and the chatbot from HubSpot, probably. Exactly right. Exactly. Then you're making a, a great point that, um, like like you said, with HubSpot, for example, you could say to the system, create a landing page. It, well, first ask the, the chatbot, uh, give me information about tech talent in this area, like average salary, uh, gender, the programming languages, for example, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have this, they go to Canva, for example, which is the free design tool. Have, find one of their infographic templates, slot some of the data, so now it's visually appealing. Mm-hmm. And then you can go onto HubSpot 
and say create a landing page to promote this report, create a form, a contact form, so that people need to leave their email addresses to be able to get the uh, the document. And then this way, you send the email with the link to the landing page, or even directly, with, because obviously if you send in the email, that means that you already have your email, uh, their emails. However, if you want to share that landing page on your LinkedIn profile afterwards, who knows who's going to reach out to you and who's going to request that, which again, leverage the power of your network. Mm-hmm. But even if uh, you have the email address, you can gain, uh, for example, the phone number, right? And even if people enter the same email address yeah. on the website, you at least know that they are interested and then you can send them another follow-up sequence. So, mm-hmm. Very interesting. Okay, well, that's that's great. I mean, with AI now, it's just crazy how things can be created uh, quickly and easily. And uh, it's just uh, unbelievable these days. Um, and yeah. speaking of uh, sequences, you mentioned that the first email rarely um, is the successful one. So then which one is usually successful? The second, the third, the fifth? Like how many emails should people be sending in, in a sequence? Um, I have seen some of the clients having successful sequences with three emails only. Mm-hmm. And I have seen clients that bought for them in their niche, they need to be seven or eight emails, mm-hmm. which, but it, it all depends on perhaps the size of the company, who you're targeting, because the idea is that if the turnaround time for for them to have the requirement is longer, or you need to keep reminding them of yourself for a longer period of time. And if it's something that, okay, if you were to to want to promote the event that we mentioned a little bit earlier, Mm -hmm. if you want to promote that, two, three weeks in two, three emails would be sufficient time because there is a time to it and you just want to get people on that webinar, for example, Mm -hmm. to that event. Whereas if you just, um, and even if it's that, even if that is for a cold outreach, now when it comes to you just introducing yourself to people, I said the more value that you can give them, at some point, they're more likely to, to come to you. And of course, you need to make sure that you have calls to action on every single email. Now, something that I found that works is within one of the emails, one of the first ones, definitely put a testimonial. Testimonials are very powerful, exactly, because if I don't know you just yet, but if I could see that someone, you you have done successful work for someone, and I could then Google that person, because I'm a person like that, that if they say, oh, yeah, this is Mark Twain, I'm thinking, mm, that sounds familiar, let me Google, and then suddenly, oh, it's a made-up thing, or just the order, the person doesn't really exist. Mm-hmm. However, if I find the person on LinkedIn, and it's in the company that the video says that they are, I'm thinking, okay, that could be a valid testimonial and then it will have more weight. Mm-hmm. But yeah, testimonials, definitely. The other thing, case studies. Now, when you uh, use a case study to to be the hook, in a way to say, okay, within the first three months of working with the client, I save them X amount of time on them not having to go through candidates that are not fit for purpose. Or um, I have generated a talent pool for that client. 
they want to know how, get in touch. So mm-hmm. you you share the results, you share the testimonial where the client confirms the results. So first you share the testimonial. The client says, yeah, you did a great job. And then you reveal uh, what you did, actually what the results were. And then afterwards you say, well, do you want to know how? Do you want me to do it for your company? Mm-hmm. So this way it's very practical, tangible. You have the evidence to support it. And you can just build from that. Hmm. Interesting that you mentioned this uh, what and how. So you tell them what you did, but you don't expose how you did it, right? Because it's your kind of secret sauce, right? Interesting. Exactly. And and I have this uh, kind of uh, phrase that I made up years ago that uh, in business meetings, show that you know how, but don't show you know how. <laughs> this is the, the principle that mm-hmm. demonstrates enough for people to know oh okay she knows what she's doing but don't give it all away because otherwise mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah they can do it themselves <laughs> yeah and of course do you know what funnily enough though very often people are afraid of this mm-hmm isn't to give away too much know-how because someone could do it themselves. But the reality is that first, chances are if they don't have your expertise as in your years of experience and uh, technical knowledge, they will not be able to deliver exactly like you would have, mm-hmm. which means that ultimately they could still come back to you and say, listen, I tried, as in I, I can see how it could work, but I couldn't make it work. Or I love the fact that you explained all of it in detail. I can see how it can work. I don't have the resources in-house. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's not necessarily a bad thing, revealing the, the know-how. And mm-hmm. equally, when it comes to it, if they think that, oh, who knows the system, they, they would know your thought process as well, and they'll have more trust in you. So mm-hmm. there's different ways to look at it. Mm-hmm. And that's probably similar with marketing, right? Because just by talking about the case study and the testimonials and the email sequences, it just feels so easy, like anyone could do it, but they would probably, or including me, like we would not get the same results just because it's your expertise. You've been doing it for 15 years. So, um, so uh, yeah, it's just, just crazy how this actually works, right? Because on the surface, everything could be perceived as easy, but eventually yeah. it's, it's just so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, okay. I mean, I, I could speak about this topic for probably two, three hours, but you know, I want, also want to be mindful about uh, your time, and uh, maybe we could uh, connect sometime, you know, later, just to dive deeper to some of the topics after people, you know, have a chance to watch uh, this first uh, recording. I'm already saying, you know, first as if we had been planning the yeah. second one, which we have not, but <laughs> maybe, maybe so. we will have a chance. Yeah, that would be so cool. Of so, um, so. Um, yeah, what, what would be your kind of a final advice to someone who is really, you know, a senior tech recruiter looking for um, the first client and now they may have some know-how, you know, or not know-how, but they could see how to do it. They don't know yet. And they are enthusiastic. They are motivated to try it out, but they are all these tools. So they may be a bit overwhelmed. Like, what would be your best piece of advice to someone who is in this situation of looking for the first client, maybe even desperately needing the client, 
but not having anyone just yet. Ooh, a couple That's of things that crossed my mind. <laughs> it, it is a tough one because you said uh, the one piece of advice, uh, planning and focus, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I think that it's good that you mentioned that some might be desperate to get the client, but if you don't have enough time to plan, that means that you might get the client that might not pay afterwards, right? Because you haven't done the planning to be able to have the due diligence to check whether the client is good for you. It's mm-hmm. not only whether you're good for them, but it's good for you. So yeah, to focus is one thing. Now, the other thing, speculate to accumulate. Make sure that you have a candidate already ready. So this is why mm-hmm. it's important for you to keep in touch with your candidates that you have placed in different places. Of course, make sure that you don't violate agreements that you've had with previous companies. But uh, find forums, find find where those tech people hang out, start building connections with them, because then you're in a better position to go to a client and say, listen, I can see you have this job on the website advertised. I have two people ready to go. Let's work mm-hmm. together. That's a different proposition altogether. Awesome, awesome. Well, this is a great, a great advice, uh, and I'm sure you would have a lot more if we had a chance to continue. So, um, so that's so cool. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot for all your insights. And um, um, uh, I'm just now like I, I was writing down as you were speaking, and I just cannot wait to start. Not probably even tomorrow, but maybe even tonight, like revisiting these case studies and just trying out some of these. You know, um, sometimes you know we hear about these things, and it's like we try it we don't see result so we just put it somewhere on the shelf but now when you kind of connected the dots maybe you know also other people will have some case studies ready and they will be like oh now i can connect the case study with apollo and send it over to people who i haven't been um uh, engaging with so uh, thanks a lot for for all the insights where can people um find uh, a bit more about you uh, just in case for example they you know, um, tried out, they don't see the results and they may need some marketing services. Yeah, um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just search for Elijeleva or even just search for Elijeleva on Google. You'll find my website. You'll have the company website. So my my name, I think that in the English-speaking mm-hmm. world is unique enough and I've done mm-hmm. good enough marketing for myself that <laughs> just Google it and you'll find mm-hmm. me. You must have a good SEO, right? <laughs> yeah, that's where I started in marketing. So absolutely. Awesome, awesome. Oh, cool. So I'll also include the link to your uh, LinkedIn profile and the website in the show notes. And uh, yeah, people can also Google. Your name is really unique. So that's that's awesome. <laughs> Great. Thanks a lot again. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you soon again. Brilliant. Thank you very much for inviting me. been a pleasure. Thank you. Hi again, and really quick, if you'd like to get a new job as the tech recruiter, or if you'd like to start working as the independent freelance tech recruitment consultant, or if you'd like to start and grow your own agency, we can help you get closer to your goals. So just go to our website, techrecruitmentacademy.com, and learn more about the programs that we organize every now and then. So just go to the website, techrecruitmentacademy.com. 